Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Now, today I'm going to be interviewing Michael Primo. So Michael is uh, known as the property finance guy. Hi, Michael. Morning. Thank you very much for having me on. You're very, very welcome. So, Michael, the property finance guy. So you deal with all things property and you definitely arrange uh, funding and finance for service accommodation, but not just service accommodation, other types of property investing as well. Yep. But before we get into that, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, a bit about your, your background and what's, what's brought you to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, so basically I started off as a conveyancer, um, basically focusing on residential purchases, um, moving into a little bit of commercial, uh, but not too much. Um, Got a bit bored of conveyancing, to be honest. It was very the same thing every single day. Um, so what happened, I, I tried my hand at a estate agency, decided I hated that as well. Um, <laughs> basically got into finance. Um, bit, bit of an accidental jump, really, um, because at the time I'd, I'd just been made redundant from another uh, position, and it was a case of I needed to find something, so I'd gone for a, for a job interview. And yeah, got into finance, never thought it was going to be anything that, that I would want to get into or enjoy. Um, so that's how I got into finance, then spent a couple of years with, with the original firm that I was with, um, sort of built up my knowledge base, built up relationships with the lenders and things like that, um, and then moved over to basically try it myself. Um, so so you've, you've set up your own independent uh, company yeah, now? Yeah, so I, I set my first one up last year with a couple of business partners. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um, and then basically, end of last year, thought, you know what, I, I need to do this for myself, by myself. Um, and I was doing a lot of public speaking at the time, um, and I was being introduced on stage as the property finance guy. So every time I would do a talk, it was, we're joined by Michael, the property finance guy. I thought, you know what, actually, that's got a bit of a ring to it. I quite like that. Um, so what happened was when it came to, I think, November last year, when I wanted to go on completely on my own, uh, I decided, actually, you know what, that's got a ring to it. Got all the branding done. The branding looks fantastic. Um, and yeah, just it's all sort of spiralled out of control from there really it's and you've got and you've got your own uh, you've got your own network property networking meeting as well now yeah so i, I started one. yeah started yeah. my own progressive property networking bank in london so that's a completely finance orientated event um so every single month it's all about finance as a different subject every month um and we're literally just behind the bank of england so it's a really really good location for talking about finance cool um so yeah that started march this year Fantastic. Um, and so one of the things that I all, always advocate people do is, is clearly to get a power team and your, your yep. broker, your finance guy, your property finance guy yep. um, is definitely um, high up on the list of your, your power team in, in, in essentials, clearly in any property investment uh, strategy, it's definitely serviced accommodation. But I, I always prefer it. I can't always achieve it. I always prefer it if the member of my power team is also a, a property investor. 
Now, you are also a property investor, am I right? Yes, Michael? yes. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of finance, finance what, you, what you're doing in property. Yeah, so basically uh, when, I, when I parted ways with, with the guys last year, um, that there were a couple of comments made about, oh, you don't invest in property. How can you be a broker and not invest in property? Um, so it was a Partly bit of, my fault, I think. <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit of a two fingers. I, uh, I decided to go out and buy six properties, as you do. Um, and that, I say buy, it was in various different forms. Um, so we invested in a rent-to-rent HMO. Uh, I've now invested in a rent-to-rent service accommodation with a lady called Deborah. Oh, oh rent-to-SA. You know my terminology, team. Rent-to-SA. <laughs> so you're doing a rent-to-SA. So I'm doing a rent-to-SA. Uh, so that's with a lady called Deborah, who uh, she's been fantastic in helping get that set up. Um, and then we've got two HMOs with the JV partner. That's about to become three. Uh, we're just in the process of buying a bungalow, which we're flipping. What else are we doing? I forget. There's loads of stuff sounds, going on. Sounds like so, being a bit busy. Well, that's Since it. the end so, of last um, year. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was a very busy end to last year. And yeah, but a lot of legal and you're having things. kids at the same time? Well, not personally, obviously. But no, no, you're not the personally. Wife, no, uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we've got two young daughters. So um, yeah, they, they definitely keep us busy. Um, so yeah, you're a normal guy. Bringing up a young family, you've got your own uh, business, and you're, you're also property investing. So you're also yeah. you're a busy guy. Uh, very busy. So yeah. we're all busy, right? Everyone's <laughs> busy, but uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I haven't got time to do property." Well, I think Michael is finding time to do property. So Definitely. hats off to you. Hats off. Okay, so let's talk about what people want to hear. Let's talk about different about types of finance. Finance for property. Go. It's your it's your turn. It's my turn. Right. So I, I suppose the first place to start off is because we've we've labelled this uh, as as basically creative finance to build up a quick portfolio. One of the uh, most powerful tools at the minute, I think, for people who are either looking to get into SA or people who are looking to build up a portfolio of SA quickly is development finance. And the reason I say that is because development finance allows you to borrow towards both the purchase and the build costs in order to basically do more property at the same time. So what I sort of mean by that is if I was to take just a bog standard purchase of one SA flat, I'm probably gonna put the same money into that flat than I am potentially to the conversion of, let's say an office block into three SA flats. Mm. Um, So it's all about leveraging the right types of finance. And development finance is great because it allows you to build up that big chunk sort of all in one go. Um, so, and that, that sort of goes hand in hand with bridging finance as well. Now, most people are like, oh, development finance, bridging finance is also expensive. But if a project can't take the costs of development or bridging, then it's probably not the right project to do. Um, so one thing we had recently was we've got a lady who bought a block of flats using bridging, um, then split all the titles up and then rents the entire block as service accommodation. Now, she probably put the same money into that block of flats as she would to buy maybe one or two service departments. So by doing it like that, I mean, she bridged it below market value as well. She managed to get quite a good deal. But by doing that, I think it was a block of six flats. So for the same amount of money, she's taken on a block of six flats rather than two flats. Um, so it's, it's a really powerful tool to have. Um, and I mean, she was very lucky. I mean, she had, didn't have a, a massive portfolio behind her at the time, but being able to add that extra six units is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's even managed to refinance that onto a proper term product. So bridge, bridge to let then? Uh, well, or essentially, yeah. I mean, she, she actually bridged with a separate lender to that, which she then refinanced okay. with. 
Um, but that's really interesting about the bridge to let in that that actually now is becoming more prominent to actually bridge with one lender and then refinance with the same lender. There's also another bridge to let, which is a completely different product. Do you know uh, what? This is the point at which people think, do you know what? I just want to <laughs> go and, and you, you sort it out for me. I'll tell you what the problem is and then you come up with a solution. Is that pretty much what people come to That's and pretty say? much what happens now. People just say, I just, just find me a solution. And that's why it's useful that you're also a property investor because you now see it from the side of the property investor and how to make this work, how to skin that cat, if you like. And, and that's it. It's all about being creative in a sensible way, obviously not in a, in a bad way, but being creative in, in a way of putting together deals that, that other people may not see. Mm. And that's where, I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm a younger uh, person um, Trying to think how to put that diplomatically. But, more or less the same age as me, I'm, I'm thinking, Michael. There's, there's yeah. like a year or two yeah, yes. between us. Yeah, um, mate. Yeah, like, like a thanks. school year, maybe. <laughs> um, a school two <laughs> decades, yeah. There you go. But, but, but so basically, I, I'm only 24, so I'm, I'm actually the youngest owner of All a right, commercial. more than two decades. Come right, on, maybe stop more. rubbing it in. <laughs> um, but being 24, I, I am the youngest owner of a commercial brokerage, and that means that no I see No one likes things. to show off, Michael. No, no, no one likes sorry. to show off. Um, <laughs> But that means I can see things differently. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't come from the commercial banking background that all the other brokers or most of the other brokers do. Um, so, yeah, it just gives me that different perception of the market, I think, sometimes. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people come and sort of say, oh, can you put this together sort of creatively? Um, everyone wants no money down or little money down. Um, it just seems to be one of the requirements now whenever you're looking at a deal. But... Just, just coming back onto the bridge to let. So the, the sort of second version we were talking about is also known as a non-standard buy to let. Mm -hmm. So this is where essentially you can put something onto maybe a two or three year term rather than 20 or 30 years, albeit it's more expensive, but it actually allows you, one, to test out SA, make sure it's what you want to do, or holiday lets, whatever it is you're doing. Or if you've got bad credit, maybe you're lacking experience, that sort of thing. That's where that can come in really helpful as well um, because they're more asset-based finance. So they're not really bothered, well, I say they're not bothered, they're, they're not as bothered by bad credit or, or things that would normally hold back other lenders. The affordability on that stuff is also a, a bit gentler. Uh, so yeah, it, it can just be a nice route in for maybe some, some first-time landlords, maybe people who haven't done service accommodation before but want to try it out. Um, it's just a, a helpful tool to have in the toolkit. And once sure. the lender is, is and you're proving that the model works and the, the, the uh, uh, you know, the income is coming in from the service combination stroke furniture, they let, then once they're happy, they'd be willing to replace it to a more, a cheaper yeah, product. Yeah, so that's, that's where, so they may not necessarily replace it with the same lender, um, but you may refinance with someone like Lloyd's or, um, Principality was one that we mentioned earlier. There's all sorts of different ones who are coming out of the woodwork now. Um, Shawbrook as well are, are, are getting a bit gentler with service accommodation. They're mm. starting to understand it a bit more. Yeah. Um, albeit they, they want someone who's very experienced. Um, but this putting, putting a couple of essays on this three-year term just allows you to build up that experience so that you can go to the likes of some of the bigger lenders and say, you know what, actually, I've got this portfolio behind me. It's working really well. Lend me some money. And a few years ago, I mean, I know, I know from you know first-hand experience. A few years ago, it was actually a little bit difficult getting finance for SA. It's, yeah, and I'd, I'd still say that it is difficult. Um, it, it's by no means the easiest one to get finance for. But it's getting um, easier. 
it's exactly where HMOs were a few years ago. Um, so where now, especially you try and get a mortgage for an HMO, you can pretty much get any HMO finance because all of the lenders know HMOs, they understand HMOs. It, it, yeah, they're, they're not adverse to that at all. Service accommodation, it's still essentially in its early days. I mean, people have been doing service accommodation for 10, 20 years. It's, yeah. it's been around for a long time. But for lenders, it's a new concept to get their head round with new obviously, regulation and things sort of coming in, especially in London. It, it's sort of getting their head around how that's going to work, especially around the affordability. Because if you've got the 90-day rule, how are you going to sort of fill it up during voids and things like that? Um, and I, th- th- there's all sorts of different ways around it. But uh, I think it's a case of them getting their head around yeah. how it can work. And a, a conversation you and I were having earlier about it is obviously about the planning uses and things like that, where a lot of the lenders are still asking for some sort of confirmation from the council, the planning officer, to confirm that the service department you're looking to do doesn't require planning. Mm. And it's, it's little things like that where there's there's still not quite the understanding of how the planning process works on it and how how it all actually stacks together. Um, and it, that, that'll come with time. And uh, I know for a fact I had Shawbrook in my office uh, last week and we, we were talking through new products and sort of their thought process around it all. And you, you can see it's a, it's a constantly evolving beast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it's definitely becoming easier. And I think as the years go by, it will become much easier. And, uh, you know, I know where this comes from. Um, it, it's, it's pretty much the, the... The reason for it is it's all to do with planning and... Furnish holiday let, the appropriate use class for furnish holiday let, which most people doing whole house service accommodation are actually doing, by the way, um, the appropriate use class is C3, which is where we all live, um, you know, in our houses and in our flats, apartments, um, they're going to be C3. And where the confusion comes is that serviced accommodation, as far as HMRC is concerned, is more like guest house B&B or SA by the room. And that actually, uh, the most appropriate use class for that is C1. Now, what, what's going on here is lenders are hearing um, that service accommodation should be C1 and therefore they're wanting permission from, or at least reassurance from councils that the, the property that um, is being, uh, you know, finance is being asked for um, is the appropriate use class. Now, in your experience, are they, are they, it's planning officer, I'm presuming, is, yes, is yeah. responding. Are they, are they just saying, okay? They, they seem to be fairly forthcoming. Um, yeah, okay. and, and I've not had one yet where the planning officer has, has said anything other than, we're happy for you to... Because it's whole house service combination, stroke yeah, furniture, we, we, they let, and therefore it's C3, and therefore it's okay. Yeah, we've not had anywhere people are letting it by the rooms or anything like that, so I've not experienced that side of it. Yeah. Um, but from a, a case of them renting it out by, by flats or by whole houses, then yeah, it's, it's always been absolutely fine. I mean, if I can just go slightly off piste, because yeah. we are on this subject, um, Michael, is that an awful lot of people are saying to me, especially people who've got the larger houses, um, and they, you know, I've just been to London at multiple streams event, um, you know, 300 odd people there, and, and everyone's, you know, clam- uh, wanting to know about service accommodation. And the, more often than not, people are making the assumption that service accommodation is, is a house that you let out to guests, short-term guests, by the room. And the people with the larger houses are making that assumption even more. Um, I mean, I would actually say to you that don't go there. 
because it's a it should be c1 or the most appropriate use class is c1 so you're probably going to be in breach of planning if you're doing it by the room um, unless it's c1 and b it's just so much more admin and so much more work to be having different guests coming at different days um, coming and going um, by letting it out by the room um, and the other, the, the main, the biggest reason for us all to do service combination is to create um, cash flow and to create money. Now, the, the most money you are going to make from service accommodation, in my experience, is when you are doing whole house SA and you are getting long bookings. So two, three, four, five, six month bookings I'm getting on, on properties because Groups of people, and especially tradesmen, tradesmen and women, but um, they're coming to your towns and your cities and they need to be there for months and months and months to be doing their work. They can take the property whole house, okay? And all you then therefore do, if you've got six month booking, is send cleaners in once a week to do a light clean and change the, the, the bedding and towels. And so no voids. Um, just you know you've, you've let the property go it's it's no voids and a lot less cost and a lot less turnaround no meets you know you don't have to be doing meet and greets etc etc and that is where the serious money is in serviced accommodation and an awful lot of the people that I'm training here at Progressive in service accommodation are actually taking my advice and going out um, Charmaine if, if Charmaine watches this then shout out to Charmaine she's just gone and got herself a, a five-bedroom house um, on a rent to SA to be doing service accommodation with and actually if you do that and you're you don't have to be in the town centers because your tradesmen don't care and so if you do that then you are not competing with anyone else because everybody else is just focusing on one and two bed apartments in the town centre. So the appropriate use class is C3 if you're doing whole house. And I just wanted to put that out there to dispel the myth that SA is by the room because it, I suggest you don't try and do it by the room unless you have got a guest house or a and b and then you do it by the room in that and turn it into a studio apartments or something. But SA, whole house, C3, and you will be the appropriate use class and you will be able to make a lot more money out of service accommodation. I did sort of get on my soapbox a little bit there, but I, I've, I've been bombarded with this lately. And I just wanted to clear up the use class situation for SA use. And clearly the lenders um, are also a little bit confused about this too. And that's why they're seeking reassurance from the councils that the property is the appropriate use class. And furnished holiday let, whole house SA, C3 is the appropriate use class. So the 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 uh, planners are coming back to you saying all good and then it's yeah, all it. systems we've, go we've not had any issues come back on awesome that. awesome right so getting back to uh funding for service combination it's not just a case of getting mortgages yep. michael we're talking um people need to fund deposits people need to be funding uh you know the rent in advance they need yep. to be funding the furniture how can you help people with that so what we're talking about here is is rent to sa where people are looking to build up single multiple units at a time so one of the well i suppose there's there's two ways of doing this so the first one is to get a private investor uh, like i did with deborah you invest x amount of money to do the setup you put in the setup cost the six months worth of rent up front etc 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 but those investors can be difficult to find um and and that yeah a, a perfect case an example is deborah messaged me actually asking me if i knew anyone who could lend? Um, and it just so happened that at the time, actually, I was looking to get into rent to SA, so it was it was the perfect timing. 
but it is very difficult sometimes for you to find investors for that sort of thing. So where you would then probably look is equity crowdfunding, which is essentially the ability to put out a proposition to lots and lots of different people um, in a FCA compliant way. So equity crowdfunding essentially, uh, the easiest way of describing it is selling shares within your company for a fixed rate of return for a specific amount of money. So I might have a rent to SA opportunity where let's say I've got three flats, I need 30,000 pounds, 10,000 pounds per flat. I might go and put it onto the crowdfunding site and request that people invest in that. I then get the money in that I need to take on those three flats. These guys over here are making a good rate of return on their money uh, because equity crowdfunding does tend to be more expensive than private investors. So they're making a good maybe 20, 25% return on their money, which to the people who are listening to this and watching this, it that does sound expensive. However, if you haven't got the money to do that, then... For uh, example, we spoke about recently, the cash flow was uh, per property, per rent to SA was well over £1,000, and then there was more enough money in that to be paying... That, the... That's it, to pay them 25%. So there's, there's enough cash flow going on in this pot to pay this pot. Everyone's happy. You're getting some money from something you've put no money into. These investors are getting a, a great rate of return on their money. I mean, what savings account in the world can you get 25% yeah. per annum? I mean, to be fair, for the, for the guys watching, normally they, they would give 10% per annum return maybe. So crowdfunding is great for investors because they, they do make a, a massive rate of return on and their there's money. A, there's a big appetite for investors now um, to be saying, I, I, I speak to some of the angel uh, uh, finance guys, some of the angel investors, and they're, they're coming to me and saying, look, they're investors... Um, they, they're just saying, find me SA deals, find me SA yeah. deals. We want to be putting our money into SA. And it's because the rate of return is so much higher than other deals that you might be looking for because the cash flow is so much stronger. Um, with the rent to SA, I mean, the, the risk is massive for the investors because at the end of the day, they're investing, they're taking shares in the company. That's the only security that they've got in the deal. So from their perspective, if that deal goes wrong, they've lost their money, okay, move on to the next one, chalk that one down to a bad decision. But in the meantime, they've made a good rate of return. I mean, in theory, obviously the amount of due diligence that you would go through to put a project on the platform, there shouldn't be a reason for it to fail anyway. But obviously, none of us have got a crystal ball to know what's going to happen mm -hmm. next year or the year after or 10 years from now. So, but yeah, equity crowdfunding, I would highly recommend that, that everyone have a bit of a Google or or give me a shout and we'll, we'll go through it in a bit more detail because um, it is a really, really powerful tool, not just for rent to SA, but for, for anything you might be coming across. And um, so you, met, you mentioned, um, uh, so presumably it's a case of, of setting up an SPV limited company that the- Yeah, completely separate to everything else so that it's a clean limited company, SPV, that an, an SPV for anyone who doesn't know is a special purpose vehicle, um, so that it's clean, so that there's nothing else connected to it so that the investors are investing in a clean company and you're getting investment into a clean company. And everything's FCA compliant, ticks all the boxes. All done by the platform. So the platform always makes sure that they're compliant with PS13. I think that's the right one. I could always forget which one it is, but I'm sure 13, it's 13 forward slash three FCA compliance. I'll, I'll take your yeah. word for that one. I can't remember which one it is now. Yeah. Um, but they always make sure they're compliant with that uh, just to make sure that essentially you're not in breach of rules for pooled investment schemes or anything like that. So, cool. yeah, it's all done by the platform. So you don't need to worry at all about any of that. Awesome. Um, so 
SA mortgages. Are we yep. talking what sort of loan to values? Are we talking interest only? What roughly what sort of interest rates are, could people yeah, might people so be able to expect? Th- there's a huge shift occurring in the market at the minute towards allowing less experienced investors to get into service accommodation um, or holiday lets, whatever which whichever one you want to sort of get into. So from a, a mortgage lender's perspective. They're now pushing up more towards the 70-75% loan-to-value mark, uh, which is in line with a lot of the buy-to-lets that we see. And interest rates, I mean, we've seen some as low as 1.9, which we were talking about earlier. We've seen some at 2.9, 3.5. Uh, there's, there's all sorts. There's, a, there's quite a, a big variation. And a lot of it comes down to whether you're doing it in limited company, personal name. Um, depends on whether you're particularly experienced or, or what the situation is in the background. Um most of them will be interest only, but with an option maybe to make additional payments. Some will allow capital repayment as well. Um, one thing I would say just, just on the SA mortgage front, uh, two bits actually, is the affordability. So when they do their debt service coverage ratio, that is still being done on the single let income, not the SA income. So what happens is they'll, they'll do it on the basis that if service accommodation doesn't work, it's naturally going to go back into a single buy to let. So they need to make sure that you can afford it. Um, so it'll always be done on that. And that's going to be typically 125%, 130% above the... Yeah, in a, in a limited company and then 145 normally in a personal rate. Okay. Um, sometimes even 150 if it's particularly sure. difficult. Um, Which was in a nutshell is the rent has to be that percentage over the mortgage, the mortgage re- monthly yeah. repayment amount. Okay. Yeah, so once you get up some experience, <clears throat> once you start to move into the more... Uh, SA friendly lenders, that's when they can start to pick up the SA income yeah. for the affordability. Um, but for your first few, you've got to bear in mind that it's probably going to be done off the single let. Um, I've totally forgotten the second bit that no. I was going to mention. I'm going to ask about um, that they're going to evaluate on normal bricks and mortar. They're not going to yeah. do commercial valuation. Unless it's a commercial property, they're not going to be doing yeah. commercial valuation on your SA income. Am I right? Uh, correct, yeah, because what, what you've got to think of from a lender's perspective is if you've got a one-bed flat in, well, we're in Peterborough, so let's use Peterborough. Yeah. If you take a one-bed flat in Peterborough just because you've managed to rent that for more money effectively, it doesn't mean that that property is necessarily worth any more money because if the lender comes to repossess it, they're not going to sell it as an investment. Sure. Um, so it would be done off bricks and mortar. That being said... Once you've got a number of years of experience, and I'm talking sort of two, three, four years worth of experience, you could potentially go to some lenders that will value the property based off the EBITDA. However, that actually doesn't tend to give a massive uplift, but you might find a small uplift, which just makes it slightly more appealing. Um, But actually, by valuing it off the EBITDA as well, it means that you can use the SA income Mm -hmm. for the affordability. Um, I think we've seen that happening more and more with HMOs, and so as HMOs become more established, then commercial valuations... um, Have started to become more prominent and and are being used a bit more. Um, And I've I've just remembered the point that I wanted to make before. Um, One thing about service accommodation mortgages at the minute is that they are actually easier to achieve in personal name rather than limited company. Just to throw you a curveball. (laughs) Um, So it's just, just worth bearing in mind that Actually, a lot of the SA lenders at the minute will only lend into a personal name. The limited company options are more restricted at the minute. 
Michael, can I have your permission to go off-piste again? You're going to have to go off-piste again on that I'm one. I'm going to go off-piste. Now, um, an awful lot of people are, because of Section 24, they are making an, an assumption that the way to avoid Section 24 now is to be buying uh, investment property in a limited company. And that is correct because Section 24 is affecting uh, buy-to-let and HMO because that is um, investment income. Now, serviced accommodation income is trading income. And, and you know, service accommodation, it's no one's primary residence or principal prime residence. And so it sits outside the Housing Act um, and the income is classed as trading income. So therefore, Section 24 does not affect service accommodation income. Therefore, you can be buying property to be doing service accommodation in your own name and you will not be affected by Section 24. And as Michael has just said, lending is actually easier to be buying property in your own name. So this is all good for serviced accommodation. You don't have to be setting up a limited company and having the extra hoops to jump through in order to be securing your lending for service accommodation. And you will not be affected by Section 24 if you're owning your service accommodation in your own name. Are we happy happy with singing off the same song sheet on that yeah, one? Yeah, and the only caveat I would put to that, because obviously being in finance, you have to caveat everything. Um, I'd just say get a great accountant on board because um, they are worth their weight in gold. Um, and an accountant yeah. that maybe is also a property investor. Uh, that is <laughs> without a doubt Trust me the most that. important thing to get. Because, uh, yeah, so many accountants that you go to don't understand property. Yeah, J- Just can't get their heads around things like Section 24 that you just mentioned. They, they just don't understand it. And you know what? Um, the very minimum, if you're, if you're looking to do service accommodation, don't feel... Um, that you have to be polite to your accountant that you've had as your family accountant for, for years and years and years. Unless they have other clients who are doing service accommodation, furnish holiday let, and they know all about it, so they understand, you know, you can be asking things like uh, TOMS, Tour Operators Margin Scheme, the flat rate scheme for service accommodation operators. If they're looking back at you blankly and they can't um, elaborate on that, then they're not the right accountant for you. Okay, so as Michael just said, an accountant that's a good accountant, and I would suggest that who is experienced in no matter what property investment strategy you are doing, an accountant that is experienced and got other investors um, as clients um, that do those strategies, I would suggest is fundamental. Okay, so Michael, we're about to to wrap up because yep. we've been going for over half an hour now. And so hopefully everyone found this useful, but clearly that we just scraped the surface. It's tip of the iceberg what we've covered today. So, so yeah. if anyone does want to get any more help and advice and um, you know access to funds, how should they go about contacting you? Uh, there's lots of different ways. Either connect with me on Facebook, um, Instagram as well um, is, is always a good one um, and seems to be sort of the up and coming social media one at the minute for property investors. Um, or alternatively, email or phone me and all the details will be in the show notes afterwards. Okay, fantastic. So um, hopefully you found that useful, everyone. Those of you listening into the uh, progressive or watching in the press property community, those people on my podcast, I'm going to sign off as I always do. Here's to your success in serviced accommodation. Thanks for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. If you have any suggestions on future content for this podcast, please message Kevin via his Facebook page, Property Soldier.